This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Who is Israel and what are the origins and possible meanings of this name? Pastor Matt begins our exploration of God's chosen people. Good day, everybody. This is Pastor Matt Grimm. I'm here once again with Thad Keenel in the Playing Podcast. How are you doing today, Thad? I'm doing good, Pastor. It's good to be here. It's been a couple weeks since we've gotten together. I think it's uh, time we start a new season. Yeah, yeah, we got a new season starting today. As the seasons here in Michigan are changing, fall. Uh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're in the middle of fall, and it's. I think winter is is wanting to come early. So (laughs) it's, uh, I think we've got snow already in the forecast. I hate it when we get snow before Thanksgiving. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I see. I I played football at Michigan tech, right? Right. And so we had snow in August a couple of times. (laughs) And so it it doesn't matter, but uh, yeah, yeah. but anyway, I, I I enjoy the snow all the way up till about January 2nd and then I'm ready to be done with it. Yeah. I I, I don't mind a white Christmas, you know? So um, might be a little bit early to be talking about that. Yeah, maybe not. It's uh, you know, this weather uh gives you some more time because the the nights are starting to come a little bit sooner, and so mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier to find yourself uh, snuggling up to you know to read a few scriptures and yeah. stuff rather than staying up till ten o'clock. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's good to to be in the Word, and that's what we're going to be doing again today. And so. As we think about this new season, I think we set it up a little bit at the end of our last uh, podcast of our last season that we're going to be talking about Israel in the scriptures. And so as I've been thinking about doing this is how to do it. I mean, there's just so much that could be done. But I, what I kind of hopefully can attempt to do is take a biblical theological approach in the sense of trying to to just look at Israel throughout the use of the word and and how it's used in the whole narrative of the Bible, and uh, and and look at it uh, in that in kind of that big picture view, mm-hmm. right? And then within that, we'll we'll get into some uh, to do that. You you do address it in particular passages and what it means there and so forth. But then then I think from there, as you lay that out, then you can in some senses systematize it to a you know to a degree although it you know the it doesn't always one category it doesn't seem will always work for it well that's right? exactly right you know and i was thinking along those same lines is that well first of all the the entirety of the scripture is about a people called israel i mean it really is yeah. right and that's including the new testament as well and so uh, what is Israel? And when we say Israel is God's chosen people, we have to be careful how we use our categories, right? Because right? you can, right. there are several categories and how those people fall, and you have to be specific specific to it. Right. And also, the context is always going right. to help dictate that. And so, uh, it's going to be a, a good lesson for us to be careful with how we handle the text. Yeah, and I think it's it, especially today, like even as we we're recording this, you know the. There's strife in the Middle East again, and then the current nation of Israel, yeah. geopolitical nation of Israel, is at war, and and so there's a lot of it, it evokes a lot of things, and I think there's, in my view, there's even some misunderstanding of people today in terms of you know that particular geopolitical nation and its biblical role and things like that, which has prompted even if one is to get in and look at this. But it made me think of actually of a story uh, the last time I was in Israel. So I've been, I was in Israel twice before COVID, probably about six months apart. And then the second time, we were just there for three days before we were doing a mission trip into Jordan. But I was there with, uh, we were eating dinner or a lunch, I think, in the old city at a table with some of our mission team. And we had our our tour guide who was taking us through sitting there eating with us. She was a, a, a Palestinian Christian who she's not an Israeli citizen and she's not really, she lives in the old city. She, so she has like a kind of residency, but I, I can't remember if she had any kind of, she had some kind of card that let her be because she was a tour guide that 
she was approved to kind of go where she needed to go. Sure. But but she very much identified with the plight of the Palestinian people, not not necessarily the the like Hamas or even the. And she was not uh, definitely not a fan of Hamas or the P or the PLO. The you know which the people who kind of were even governing helping try to govern alongside of Israel, you know, or opposed to Israel or all those kind of things. But she was just trying to explain the situation to us from her perspective, right? And talk about some of the struggles and even, you know, how there were times for people living in, um, is it the West Bank, the the, the non-Israel part of yeah, uh, the, the, of, yeah, of the Holy not, Land, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that times they did, you know, they they didn't have power. That times the water was turned off. Just some things like that 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 she was just describing and, and some discontent, right? And it just so happened that there was a, uh, you know, a, a, someone who sat down and was sitting and eating lunch next to us in this little cafe, and you know, all these spaces are pretty cramped in the old city of Jerusalem. These old, you know, centuries oh, old yeah. buildings, right. you know, spaces. And but this man who evidently was Jewish, um, or he, he was a citizen of Israel, who I think, but maybe even had some American background. I forget what it was, but he he because he spoke English very much in a normal, like I'd say, in a typical kind of American type accent. Uh-huh. Um, he he got came over to us and said, um, "Well, excuse me, I've heard your conversation," and he said something to the effect of. Uh, well, you know, you, you should know from the Bible, you know, f- that this is our land, that God gave us this land, mm-hmm. and that this is ours, and we have every right to it. Uh, and so, uh, and, and so, you know, you should just know that. And, and I thought, very interesting. Yeah. You know, that his, that his reason for being there, his existence, his, his whole, his foundation for, for this was, he was, they were, he was going back to the scriptures. Right. You know, and so I say, okay. If if that is the justification for many, I would say for for many of the Jewish people, the Israel people, but also I would say you and I probably know a lot of Bible believing Christians who would affirm that view. So if if that's the, so, what I want to know is is that because the Bible obviously does talk about that land and it does make promises and all those kind of things, and we say how do those still apply today? And is is the is the geopolitical Israel of today what the Scriptures is talking about? Uh, and so, you know, to investigate those things, we have to get into the Bible, right? Right. So, I don't know. Just any any thoughts on on that story or that, you know, that inter- what that makes you think of when it comes to this topic, and even I think some reasons why we even want to do it right now. Well, right? I think it has to do with each of us as individuals come into our faith walk with suppositions. Yes. And they change over time the more that you learn and educate yourself and the more that you harmonize with the scriptures, things can start to change too. But the, the supposition or the presuppositions are the things that, um, by definition, are things that are kind of already rooted in what we believe are right. true about right. things, right? And those are very difficult to deny or if a, if a, a different point of view comes in, right? right it, it creates a speed bump. And it's difficult to accept that if it's contrasting what we think we all already understand. Let's just start getting into the Bible and yeah. start looking at, as I said, this biblical theological pro- approach of the whole story and try to deal with some of our assumptions and ask, are they the right assumptions? And just start asking questions of the text. Yeah. And so that's what I, I want to actually start uh, today with um, – and maybe we'll – as we do this, we'll, we'll bring up some other questions that come along – but I want to start with actually the where I would ask the question: Where is the first time in Scripture that the word Israel is used, <laughs> that the name Israel is used? Because it's, it's a name, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, would that be a good place to start? <laughs> it's as good as any. I think yeah. if we're going to start with Israel right. talking about it, then let's right. let's find out what the word is even meaning. Yeah, um, or at least meaning in its first usage. Right. You know, if if we can determine that. And so, uh, so that it just so happens that it is in in Genesis chapter thirty two, and there's a story here starting in verse twenty two to the end of the chapter, verse thirty two. So to set up, to set this up a little bit, this is the life of Jacob. So in the in these uh, chapters of from Genesis twelve to the end, we have the story of Abraham and his family. 
right? And so we'll, now we'll go back even before Abraham at some point. Um, and we're not even going to start with Abraham today. We're starting with Jacob because that's who gets named Israel. Right. Okay. But what's going on in the life of Jacob so far? What do we know about Jacob? So just uh, not even necessarily have to start at the beginning, but when you think of Jacob, um, what comes to mind? What are some stories or just thoughts about him that come to mind? Well, he's a twin. Yeah. Right. And he's the younger twin. Yeah. And uh, so we have a lot to do with the early story of Jacob and Esau. Right. You know, and so what uh, What kind of uh, striving and struggles we see between those two yeah. <laughs> right out of the womb. Exactly. And so they themselves embody one of the biblical themes of the Bible of just the striving between people mm-hmm. and between brothers. We, we can go back to Cain and Abel. You know, they you know they they strove. They there was not a good relationship between right. the very first two brothers, right? And so so now we have Jacob and Esau uh, as example of that. And we also just see that even in in the family of Abraham, which is bigger than Jacob's family, if you go back to Ishmael and and even you know some of the other descendants of, of things, that there's tension between you know the you know brothers and cousins and things like that within within the family of humanity that we see there. So so Jacob and Esau in some sense are a little microcosm of that as, as Jacob's um twin sons uh, I mean as uh, Isaac's twin sons mm-hmm. that uh are there and so so one of the first things that comes out of of their story is that Esau's kind of a man of the field. He's a hunter, you know, kind of a thing. And Jacob's, you know, more, you know, stays around the home more and helps out with the household and the the family animals and, and, and stuff like that. And so uh, Jacob's out hunting one time. He comes back. He's tired. And I mean, uh, sorry, not Esau. Jake, Esau mm-hmm. and, and he's hungry. And, and just so happens that Jacob is making a little stew, a little soup, you know, lentil soup. And uh, what happens? What, yeah. is ja- what is what is yeah? Well, Jacob Jacob offers it to him. Yeah, it's his birthright. Yeah, he says I'll give it to you for your birthright. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big this is a big right. thing. I mean, that must have been some stew. Yeah, but what's interesting is that actually earlier in the story we already know that God has already let us know at their birth that. The older is going to serve the younger, right? Right. So we already we've already been set up for this. We already know. Yeah. So out of the, from the very beginning, God is already working against the things that we would consider a norm. Yeah. Right. Where the older brother would be kind of right. the double portion right. and, and and whatnot, and he's already he's already shifted that. And this is before um, either of the brothers have done anything. Yeah. The God's already saying this right. is the way it's going right. to be. We just know they're born, and, and, and when Esau's born, who's clutching at his heel? Yeah, J- Jacob is. Yeah, Jacob, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> so Jacob's already, we already got this picture of Jacob kind of grabbing at him and, you know, wanting his thing. And and Jacob's name actually kind of means, you know, deceiver. You know, so he's he's already scheming, you know, to 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 take the, what the, the birthright, right? Right. Um. And so, on one sense, we see you know Jacob's a schemer, but but then Esau is like, who sells their birthright for a for a some stew? I mean, right? You know, I mean, from that sense, we you know we, we can't feel bad for Esau, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, there, it's interesting, you know, to, for Jacob to be uh, considered a schemer or yeah. deceiver. It really kind of depends on how you're reading it along with the providence of God in a, in a sense, doesn't it? Right. I mean, all along we see God's using all of this. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and um, God's providence and his plan, and he can do all this and, and, and to show for his purposes, to accomplish his redemptive plan. But all along the way, none of us in God's sovereignty can look back and, and say, well, God made me do it. Right. <laughs> right, that does not fly. Yeah, because in, in both cases here, you know, and, he, and even so, and and so Esau can't blame God, but at the same time, you know, Jacob can't. We can't look at Jacob's life and see, well, he was just the more righteous guy all along, right? You know, no, that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's God's grace all along. So, um, so anyway, the so after that, after he sells the birthright. Then Isaac, we get the story of Isaac's getting ready to die. He's old, he's blind, and he's gonna he's he's gonna give his blessing. 
And um, even though the birthright's already in sense been sold, there's still kind of the blessing to the firstborn son and things like that. And Jacob, uh, or I, I think Esau still thinks, well, at least I can still get the blessing. And, right, right. And so, uh, but... Now the, know, now the mom becomes a little bit conniving. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So she gets involved because what, we've, what we learned earlier, too, is, is um, Isaac kind of favored Esau. Because Esau would go out and hunt and bring him back some nice, you right. know, food that he he liked. He liked the, the what got he provided. But Rebecca, you know, favored favored uh, Jacob, and right. so Rebecca is going to start scheming and helping. And so she she is it all set up basically to help Jacob get the blessing, and he he steals the blessing mm-hmm. right through their through their combined deception. He steals the blessing. And then out of that, we really have this contention between Jacob and Esau as kind of at its height. And Esau it basically threatens to kill Jacob. It's kind of weird to me in, in the tradition that once the blessing is performed on Jacob, when Isaac comes to the realization on it, there's no, there's no take back. <laughs> you know, I mean, you would think... As the head of the house, you yeah. know, as Isaac is there, that he would say, "All right, you know, you, 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 you guys deceived me. I didn't really mean. You I didn't mean me. it that way. We're going to do this the right way, right? But that's not how this works. No, no, it isn't. Yeah, and so again, we see the hand of God in all of this, right? Well, and, and there's a very big verse in here um, that has something to do with part of what I was talking about earlier in verse 29 of chapter 27. Um, in, in the blessing of Jacob, it mm-hmm. says that um, may people serve you and nations bow down to you, be master of your brothers, and may your mother's son bow down to you. And then it says, cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you. Right. You know, that that right there is one of the verses that people would be saying, this is why America right now needs to be back in Israel. Right. right. Because we want to be blessed. Yeah. We're blessed because we're backing and blessing Israel, right. right? That's a big, yeah. that's a big thing, and it may or may not be the full story. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. As Isaac blesses Jacob, he is, he's, he's very much passing on the blessing that God gave to Abraham, and that Ab- and that he gave to Isaac, that he gave to him, and he's, he's saying, you know, this is free because the, the blessing was always um, for the nations. And so in the sense the nations serve you and bow down to you, is, is, that, is that that you're just going to rule over them? It, 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 the question I have is, is, is the goal of ruling over is, is subservience, or is it the, isn't the ruler supposed to be the one who's blessing and, 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 and giving God's provision and goodness you know, to others? Right. You know? yeah. it, it, so I, I, it makes me think about that. Sure. But, um, but with that blessing, we also think about covenant and so as this looks forward to covenant in – if we just look at the covenant in the garden, it came with blessing, but it also came with curse if you break the word of God, if you, if you go against his, his word. Uh, and we see that when we look forward ahead of this, if this is setting up the covenant blessings and cursings that we see in uh, Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, especially Deuteronomy – you know that the, the, the this relationship of ble- the God wanting to bless and entering the promises with people also comes with with curses too, and sure so does, yeah. it's interesting that we see that there. Um, but it is very much tied to the family at this point of of God that the, 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 the blessings coming through, mm-hmm. and so when we think about the narrative story, we see that um, happening. We've we've already seen this happen a little bit with Abraham, right? Because when um, when when Pharaoh decided not to curse Abram but but actually bless him, even though Abram had treated him wrong, you know Pharaoh's blessed and not cursed because he gives Abram stuff, right? <laughs> right? You know we see that kind of stuff happening in here. We've we've seen it happen with Abimelech and Isaac because uh, Abimelech and Abraham had actually happened first, and he kind of learned. And when Isaac comes along, he he blesses him, you know, uh, right away. Um, it, so there's just a lot. We see this pattern in, in this that there is something going on here. So we need to pay attention to it. Right. You know. That's good. Yeah. Um, and I think, and actually, this is something that I think Esau's going to learn too, to some extent uh, later. But right now, he's not blessing his brother. He's still mad at him. He's actually going to curse him. Mm-hmm. 
so that's that's not necessarily going to go so well for Esau. But Jacob's response to that is, I'm going to get away from him. He's going to kill me. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to let what happened to Abel happen to me. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on and and get away from here. And actually, his his mother helps him and says, you know, you just need to go back to my people and find a wife for yourself, right? Exactly right. You know, and so he goes and does that, and on his way, he has a dream, the famous dream of the stairway to heaven. And in that dream, he sees um, kind of the uh, starting in verse fourteen of chapter twenty-eight. He says, "Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth." Oh, he's going to be his. He's going to have a great number of people. Just kind of like think back to the the promise to Abraham. He says, you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in you, and and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed, mm-hmm. right? So there we have, have it. behold, I'm with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. And I think that's one of the things that I think we miss sometimes when we think about this whole notion of blessing from God and when he elects or chooses a people or a person for which his blessing to go through, that is it. Is it just the land and the 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 you know the prosperity and the great number of people, or is it the fact that I'm going to go with you? Right. Is the is the blessing really centered on the presence of God? And, and I think that's very interesting when we look forward even to Moses. You know, God's promises when He's going to deliver the people, so I'm going to go with you. Right. And it's also right? with exactly what you said is is true with God being a pre eminent over all of this, but the one that is blessed is just to be the forerunner to bless the, the yeah. rest of the world, right? you know, to lead, so to bless the others, to yeah. bless the families of the earth, it There's, says. God always has a reason for what he's doing. Right. There's he's a, not just doing it because he's going to keep his promise. Well, yeah, he is because that's who he is, but he always has got a reason behind it. And that's why we need to know the narrative because the narrative is constantly telling us the reason, right? you know? And so... Verse 15, behold, I'm with you and I'll keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Mm -hmm. So the promise of the land has something to do with God being with them in the land. It's not just the land itself, it's that God's going to be with them in the land and he's going to dwell there with them. So Jacob woke from his sleep and surely the Lord is in this place. Um, How awesome is this place? There's none other than the house of God and it is the gate of heaven. And they ends up calling, verse 19, the place Bethel, the name of the city of Luz first. But it's named that because this is God's house. And so that's Bethel uh, is established there. He sets up a stone of remembrance and so forth. Uh, so that now this is going to be important. I don't know if we'll get to it this podcast or not, <laughs> but, but we'll come back to this because because the whole thing of naming of Israel is going to, going to come back to Bethel in some sense. Okay. But then after that, he goes on up, he goes back to Haran, which is where Isaac went to get his wife, okay? And and it's also, what else do we know about Haran as it relates to Abram? Yeah, that's well, that's where, he, I mean, when he came out of the Earl of Chaldees, right, he first went to Haran. Right, and spent 20 years up there right. for, for whatever, how many ever it was. It was, it was quite some time before the Lord called him to the Canaanite yeah, land. Yeah. or reminded him that he needed to, <laughs> you know, hey, he, yeah. he, I called you over here. You, 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 you made a pit stop here longer than I wanted you to. Right, right. and Haran, Haran is, is north of Israel. It's in Syria, yeah. and it, it follows. If you take the Euphrates all the way up, it's just it's right there along right. the water of the Euphrates. Yeah, right. It's just for... Yeah, if you think about you know the the river Euphrates and the the uh, the border of I think it was the river out of Egypt or what that's that's two you know kind of far ends of it it's a little bit each are a little bit further but we know the the, the promising is between those two rivers right, right. correct yeah yep. uh, and so but anyway he goes up there which so it's very interesting that that same path from Haran to Israel not only does it does Abraham make it. But so does so does Isaac and so does Jacob, mm. right? So in that sense, they're they're following they're following in their father's footsteps. But anyway, he goes up there and he finds this he finds this woman named Rachel who he wants to marry, and he's it's um, she's the daughter of his uncle Laban, right? Right. And so, uh, but but a little uh, little trickery coming. Yeah. Up so on the, this. so so uh, just so the deceiver gets deceived, right? <laughs> you know, the, you know the same one who got tricked 
Laban tricks him into marrying his older daughter because he wants her to get married off first, right? And so he he works seven years f- to get Rachel, but it ends up being Leah. And then he works another seven years, and he ends up marrying Rachel, who he loved and who he really wanted to marry in the first mm. place. And then along, but along the way, he tends flocks and all these things. And there's this interesting story about how you know he gets to choose certain kind of flocks, and he chooses the spotted and all that kind of stuff. Right. But in the end, all what we see is that God promise to bless him is is happening so he when he finally leaves Laban does he leave um, he leaves a wealthy man right the same way like when does that remind us of anybody else when he had to spend some time in a foreign land well that, I'm, I'm, I would then, go to well I'm gonna go to Joseph first of all yeah um, but that's after that's, that's actually after. that's actually later so earlier right. Um, Abram right Abram, Abram, Abram leaves Abram. he leaved Egypt you know, with more stuff than he came in with. Right. Yeah. You know, so again, is is it by Abram's doing? No, it's 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 by God's hand, right? And so we right. see God's hand in all of this happening. But so so it's after all this that we're getting actually to the story we want to get, but we see just the pattern of Jacob's life. We see how God's hand's on him, and we see how what God's doing, but yet as he's going back into the land that that's promised to him. Uh, you know, through Abraham and Isaac, uh, which actually we'll see that promise coming up here again, is he's what's facing him when he goes back. Who's there? Who's there facing him that he may not want to see? It might be Esau. Yeah, yeah. So he's afraid of his encounter with Esau. So when he comes back into the land, very interesting. Um, chapter thirty-two, verse one. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Don't know what to make of that yet, but it, the angels of God met him, and and when Jacob saw them, he said, "This is God's camp." So he called on the name the place uh, Mahanaim. Uh, so, it, again, I think we see one thing. I think we do see there. There's something about that that is this is that God dwells here, right? This is you know the, the very much the land is tied to the presence of God. You know that 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 uh, we should be seeing that as part of the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. So what does he do? He sends messengers on to Esau, and he he basically preemptively tries to um, ease Esau's heart attitude against him, and he so he sends him a bunch of animals as kind of a peace offering, and then he's getting ready to go down to the land after that. Uh, so that's kind of where we arrive here in verse twenty-two of chapter thirty-two. He sent all those ahead. But he's still, even though he's done this, he's still fearful. He's still fearful. And so that, so verse 22, how about you just read verses 22 to 32 for us? Okay, I'm going to be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible. And it's from verse 22, I'm sorry, to what? Verse 32, the end of the chapter. Oh, okay. And he, and he arose that same night and took his two wives and his two servant women and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them, is that uh, the same word that's uh, in yours? Mm-hmm. As far as that? Okay. Mm-hmm. And he took them and he sent them across the stream and he sent across whatever he had. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of dawn. And he saw that he had not prevailed against him. So he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of, his, of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place uh, Peniel, and he said, "I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered." And the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the son of Israel, the sons of Israel, do not eat the sinew of the hip which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. <laughs> That's kind of a strange reason why, but I guess yeah, it's just yeah. I guess it's in remembrance. What's interesting is that later on, 
as far as I know, according to what scholars, I think what I've read is, is that that law doesn't appear like in Numbers or Leviticus or Deuteronomy or anything like that. That it's just here. I'm probably right? pronouncing those 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 cities wrong, um, and those because it, the L is probably prominent. I'm guessing that means God Peniel and uh, Pen Penuel. Yeah, you think is yeah. that more? I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, so, so let's let's go back to to the beginning here, and this whole notion of I, I in some of my studies and reading today, there are some people who propose that this story is resembles some other stories of people crossing fjords of rivers who are met by um, like some kind of spiritual being who's going to give them um, pa- the rite of passage, basically. And, uh, you know, so we could think today of our, our story of like the troll living under the bridge, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a thing that that is there. And so they've, you know, have wondered, is this, is this kind of an old tale pattern after that or, or, or what? Uh, and I think whenever those kind of things come up, we, ha- we we can maybe glean some understanding of cultural context from the ancient times. What I usually say is, if if the narr- if God, if the Holy Spirit's using the narrator to to bring some semblance of that, my assumption usually is that God's using that to set the record straight in some way, or to say, you know, if you hold to some kind of myth or tale or things like that, that, that gives some kind of significance of blessing or ability to do things that relates to a pagan practice, I, I, I'm showing you that, no, it comes through me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come through those other things, right? Yeah. And so if if there, if there it's patterned after that for some reason, I would say it would be for that purpose. But re- apart from that, I think it is interesting that we need to ask ourselves, why why tell the story? Why, why is it significant? Obviously, it happened. And, and, and God's using it. If you basically have this encounter with God, but within the context of the narrative, why is it important as it relates to the, Jacob's fear with Esau? Right? And so, so as we think about that, uh, I'm going to jump down a little bit to the, the reason given within the narrative of the change to the name Israel. Okay? Mm-hmm. We'll go back and deal with some of these other things in a minute, but but he says that you shall be called Israel, for you have striven with God and with men. Okay? And then it says, and have prevailed. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's just look at the narrative and, and say, how do we see this in, in Jacob's life? Have we seen him? That's part of the reason we went back and told the history of Jacob, right? That what we've been telling him is how he's been striving with God. I mean, he's been striving with, with Esau, yeah. Right. Who he's getting ready to st- potentially strive with again. He strove. He had striving with Laban. He even had some striving with his 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 father Isaac in trying to, in, in essence, have to get the blessing from him. Yeah, and really, you know? didn't he strive a little bit with his mom because he didn't yeah. want to do what she was asking him to yeah, do? Originally. Yeah, so so, yeah. So we just see that that this is Can, this yeah. is this is kind of going on, and so here he is getting ready to encounter um, this again, and he's fearful and. We have this story in the midst of this before he's getting ready to to go in and, and, and in one sense take possession of the land, which he, you know, doesn't fully, but it's it's all part of that. Right. Um, we have this encounter because he, this is who he is, um, and so it now it says that in he's prevailed. So we want to investigate that a little bit, but let's jump back up and see. They wrestle with each other and. Um, Basically, I read it as it almost seems like it's a stalemate, right? I mean, is anybody is anybody winning this wrestling match up in the earlier verses? It doesn't seem like anybody's winning, but Jacob's holding on tight. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, in one sense, it's like it, it's kind of like the is is Jacob just the guy who won't give up? You know. So I think about my I have an older brother, right? And we would wrestle and we would do stuff, and eventually. Because he's, you know, three and a half years older than me. Eventually, it would end up with me on my back, his knees on my shoulders, <laughs> and him poking at me, oh, yeah. you know, until I say, you know, uncle or mercy. give in, you know, until I ask for mercy, right? You know, and is, is this is this Jacob just refusing? You know, is he just holding, like you said, holding on and refusing, you know, to say mercy? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's interesting to think about, but. Um, now, it's it, one of the other little points in here is, is that uh, 
in in those other mythical stories, those other stories about the thing is that that there's something there was this belief that the demon's power in the Canaanite legend of this story is that when the sun comes up, the the demon would lose its power. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's one of the reasons they think this maybe is being paralleled in some way because what happens here is that when does this kind of come to a climax? Well, you mean at the dislocating of the of the hip, or are you talking about yeah. the blessing part of it? You know, I was, before we go there, I was okay. thinking that um, as I was considering this story, uh, the idea is that Jacob is wrestling with this with the supernatural yeah. being here, right? right? Um, and therefore, I mean, the title says that Jacob wrestles with God, and that's. That's verified because the name change means stri- striven with God. So we can well that and, and, it, and it, the fact that he he says and he, when he names Peniel he says I've seen God face to face. Right. So so if we pull all of that together, the idea is here that Jacob. You know, if we look at verse twenty five, and I'm I'm not trying to dissect this too much, but the idea is that um, that the angel of the Lord or or the Lord here saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob. So he sets his thigh out of joint. And I'm almost wondering if, you know, depending on which way you read that, that Jacob is the cause of, of strife and he's maybe needing a little, a little discipline here. This is what, this is what's going to happen to get you on the right track. And he, he puts his hip out of joint, right? It's almost, I'm almost looking at it perhaps as a disciplinarian act, hmm. uh, you know, depending on what, how you think about how this life is going to be. You're, you're you're going to follow the ways that I want you to follow. And who's striving against two is, is kind of like what you said earlier in the day, if you recall. Right. You know, so it's, well, yeah, I think that's one of the big things that's going on here is we see Jacob is the one who's striven with God. It says that. He's striven with God and with men. Okay? And so what's making me ask this is like, well, I mean, knowing what we know about God, if really, God, you can't, you can't, overcome this guy. <laughs> right. I mean, it sounds a little bit far-fetched, you know, to some degree. So there's got to be something else going on here. Because if God, I mean, there's, there's multiple things. Well, one is, why is God letting Jacob hang on the way he is? Because he could have, if he wants to, he can just get it over with in an instant. Right. Right. The other thing is, is that when it says, when he names the place Penuel, um, because he he he's seen God face to face. It's like, wait, we know later who else who asked to see God, to know His name and for Him to speak His name, right? Um, Moses. Are we talking about Moses? And yeah, the, we, and we know he has to hide him in the cleft yeah, of a rock. Who, yeah, who? Yeah, right. Who, who should I say? Is he yeah, only lets yeah. him see his backside, right? right. But then later. I keep it's earlier or later. I think, but it's we know that when he goes into the and meets with God in the tent of meeting, mm-hmm. it says that he met he would meet with God face to face. Right, and Joshua would actually get to be there too. Right, and so it's like, oh wait, what does it mean to be with God face to face? Because in one sense, if, if if we were to look directly on the face of God without any kind of protection, the sense is you just get you're instantly going to die. Right, right, and yet. God provides, finds a way later on in the Pentateuch for people to meet with him face to face. And we know that's through the tabernacle, right? It's through the, it's through the covering that's able to pr- provide that, that that's able to happen. Yeah. And sense, really right? nobody's allowed to go into their presence, but it, what maybe is, is happening um, here, and maybe this is even, even the case, but uh, sometimes the angel of the Lord, or when they're meeting with face to face, it's, it's actually, the second person of the Trinity. It's a Christophany, right? Yeah, it could be, right? Um, because the word of the Lord, there's a parallel between the word of the Lord and the second person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, so when the yeah, but there's just so many questions. Right. That we get, but the, a lot of these things in seed form are happening here that we're going to, this terminology is going to come up later in the Pentateuch, mm-hmm. which is going to help us even, I think, all that is important as we understand who Israel is collectively and, and all together. Right. But here... It's very interesting that my sense is God's having to withhold something of the fullness of himself, you know, 
to enable Jacob to do this, <laughs> right? He is able to meet face to face. He is able to wrestle with God. But you know, why isn't you know why isn't he destroyed? I think that's the, that's the big question. Why is Jacob not destroyed in this encounter? Well, and that's what he doesn't even know, right? In verse 30, he says, I met with God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Yes. So he's surprised. <laughs> right. And so I think that helps us understand a little bit when it says that he strives with God in men and has prevailed. Mm-hmm. That that word prevailed, I, I looked it up in the Hebrew, and is that it you know, sometimes it can be like, and it was victorious. You could translate that as victorious, but other times it, it could also be translated of just enduring, right? And so. I would say when you think of a wrestling match, I think of like my brother on top of me winning, you know, it's like there's a winner and there's a winner and a loser. Mm -hmm. And when, if I think about prevailing or I think about being victorious, there's a winner or a loser, but are there, but could prevailing or could, could the prevailing have more to do with the fact that, that his life was spared, that he, he was victorious in the sense of that he, he endured this encounter with God and God chose to bless him. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the other thing that I think we want to keep, at least in the background of our mind, is that none of this is possible without God's mercy and grace. Exactly. Well, I think that's a, in some ways it's a description of his mercy and mm-hmm. grace. That his mercy and grace sometimes is going to look like a wrestling match. Is that the case? I mean, and because... Who can wrestle with God and not be destroyed? <laughs> you know, it's only by His mercy and grace, His grace that He would even be able to give Jacob the title. Well, it's interesting, also. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, after the bout is over, um, he's he's carrying some scars from the from the wrestling event. His hip, his thigh is still, you know, yeah. at least bruised. He so he goes around. And it becomes kind of a permanent fixture, even in the way the traditions of the people right. and things that they eat. But that kind of reminds me of, um, you know, Paul and his thorn in his side, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, whatever he was praying for to be relieved, it, the Lord didn't take that away. It, it stuck with him. And so there's a there's a striving in in the people of God, right. you know, that, that carry out the mission of God while they're receiving abundant grace. It's not... It's not a bed of roses always. Right. And what does Paul say? He says that, that it's his, he finds strength in his weakness. Right. You know, and then is there something about this for Jacob that he's going to walk around with a limp the rest of his life to be reminded that his strength comes from the blessing of God and not from his deceiving, right? And so if we think about the name change, why change his name? Jacob was a deceiver. He was one who was in some senses, trying to get the blessing on his own. And God's like, uh, no, it comes from me. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really in striving with me. Now, in that striving, does that mean that, is this always need to be contentious? Is the striving with God, is it need to be contentious? What I'm trying to get at is the etymology of the word Israel. So there is some scholarly debate over that because in the middle of this, in this, the, the word for strive um, or struggle is the word uh, sarah. Mm. Okay. And then you've got L added to the end of it. You know, just like the, just like pinuel, right. Um, or peniel means the face of God. So peniel, the face, and then the, the, e, the E-L at the end is of God, yeah, right? Yeah, and Bethel. And house, Bethel, house the God. house of God, all right. that kind of stuff. So we know the L is, is light of Israel is, is God. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, is this a struggle with God or is this the, the struggle of God? Is this, the, is this God struggling with them? You know, why... What's the point of naming Jacob Israel? Yeah, well, it's given him an identity with God. Yes, right. No matter no matter which way that you that flows, and it could be a both and scenario. Yeah. You know, the identity is that you are now going to be associated with right. me. Right. Exactly. And so, if I'll just for sake of ease, I'm just going to. Translate it fight, okay? Okay, because mm-hmm. it's easy to say. So is this that 
Is this uh, that Israel's constantly going to be fighting with God? Is it God's constantly going to be fighting with them? Or is it that the blessing is that God fights with Israel in the sense of for them? That it, that that for this blessing to happen, for this thing to happen, it means that when they go into whatever battle they face, God is going to be with them. Right. He's going to be their, their, the one who fights with them. Yeah, so all three of those possibilities are true throughout the entirety of Scripture, right? Because of the disobedience of particular people, right? Um, the discipline of those people where God might um, discipline or even curse some of the generations right. of, of these people, and then also the the overriding effect of, of His grace to still. Um, pull it all together to accomplish his his mm-hmm. um, you know eternal purposes. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I think we do we do see all that. All, they're all possibilities. So, but within this particular narrative, where it's put and 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 how it kind of comes to culmination, I wonder because he's he's fearful of Israel. So who's going to fight for for um for Jacob as he encounters Esau? <laughs> yeah, right. Or fight. And I think maybe instead of for or thinking about that whole thing with, we can think, oh, I fight with someone. You can either think of the, like, I'm fighting against them. Because sometimes we can use with, I'm fighting with you means that we're opposed to each other. But what if you and I are fighting together? We could also use with in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. I'm fighting with you as alongside. Right. So could this be, I'm fighting alongside of you? And here's what I'm wondering. And, and I'm... I'm very hesitant about this because I haven't necessarily read this from anyone else. Uh, and, and so anytime you have an original thought, and it's very possible that someone else has said this, but is that can you think of another place in Scripture where God does something in a man and blesses him by taking something from his side or doing something to his side? Well, we go all the way back to the garden Adam, event right? with Adam, and he, he he takes the rib from him, and he gives him a partner that's going to be a compliment to depending him, depending on be, how you you know you interpret that, interpret right? how you interpret that. But but yeah, right. but the point is, I just wonder, I just wonder if does he touch his hip, you know, as a sense of saying, as a sign that I'm always going to be with you, mm-hmm. you know, and here's the sign that I'm I'm with you, I'm in the sense that I'm alongside of you. Right, and that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here in this struggle on your behalf, not just against you or you against me. Although that happens, yeah. right? But is it more so that I am, I'm, I'm leaving my mark on you because I'm going to be with you, and so I'm, you struggle with God in the sense of alongside. I don't. That's just something to think about. I think it's the, it's probably the proper view mm-hmm. that that we should have, right? Right, knowing. First of all, anytime that God wants to and claims that he's going to associate with us, you know, if we're obedient to that, the the blessings are the blessings are going to come regardless, right. but one one of the ways seems to be with less discipline. Yeah, and it it, it it almost going to comes with a recognition of our weakness. Yeah. Right? That it's it's that we need to, you know, we it, it, we need that now but there's something about also alongside of of but even in our weakness we still have to hold on to God. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. So I don't know, just as as I've been thinking about this and wrestling with it, I wonder if if there's something to that. The ver- and then there's this the whole interesting thing the, the, this day the people of Israel don't eat this thing. There's something about that remembrance, you know, it's just is you know there's something about we don't need that to re- to remember this and it is Israel. Is is the people are the people of God to remember, you know, that God is um, is with them in the fight in whatever in whatever He's calling them to, you know, whatever that whatever that fear they're getting ready to face, you know, just like He's getting ready to face Esau, that that um, I'm here with you mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to do this, you know, with me with my help, uh, and so um, yeah. I think so, and I think there's. I think we see that time and time again um, in the pattern of what the Lord does with his people. Let's just say even, for example, in the event of Passover, mm-hmm. right? You have the sacrifice of a, 
of a lamb and a very innocent lamb right. creature and very graphic with the blood on the doorpost and the lintel that you're going to repeat on an annual basis. And why are you doing this? So you can remember exactly how God redeemed you out of a land of slavery from Egypt, right? That's the whole, the whole idea is to remember also with the pattern of the redemption and the final redemption that we'll have in Christ. So there's, there's these lessons that we're to hold on to looking both back and forward and hope. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so next, so next week, you know, you might maybe have something else that you want to wrap up on this, but um, this has really been good to kind of get an idea of, of Israel and, and the name and, and how this is going to become a people, but it actually has a forerunner in Abraham before the name Israel even comes up, and it has a forerunner before that with Abraham or with Adam, perhaps. Right. You know, so yeah. it, it's this it's it's this complete historical event of a people of Israel, and um, yet I think the one of the key factors that we'll learn from Romans is that not all Israel is Israel. So there's 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 strivings within the group of Israel. Yeah, there is. And so, I mean, it's going to take us a while, I think, to get to Romans 11. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, we do need to know why, you know, why is God blessing Abraham? Why, you know, why is, is Jacob related to Isaac, related to Abraham, and what's going on with all this stuff mm-hmm. is important. But I also think next time what I want to do is in order, you know, to get there, I think I want to start in Genesis 35 next time. Because here we have the one other place in Genesis that the word Israel's used. Um, because what ends up happening is the re- after Genesis 35, Jacob's always, even though he's renamed, the narrator keeps calling him Jacob mm-hmm. and, and talking about Jacob's sons and, 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 and so forth. It's not till Exodus chapter 1 that in the story of the Exodus that we get the nation of Israel. And so there's all this setup to we to we get to the nation of Israel comes into existence in you know in the in that in that sense as called a nation in Egypt, uh, you know. But right. but something happens in verse in in chapter thirty five that I think that will that will take us back to Abraham and then will then let us know you know what's this whole purpose and plan with Abraham okay. have to do with. All right, that so sounds, that so we'll good. get to. Uh, We'll do a look at Exodus 35. Genesis. Genesis 35 next week when, once again, God declares that Jacob's name's Israel. All right. Sounds good. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Next week, we will continue in Genesis chapter 35 and the second account of Jacob's name change to Israel. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.